forward momentum and start moving or continue moving in the direction that God calls us. And if you want to make progress in life, you've got to have a plan. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit. talk to you about David. I was um, asking Josiah yesterday, I was like, do you know the story of David and Goliath? And he kind of blank stared at me and he was like, yes. And I said, well, I mean, I don't know. I just don't want to assume because you grew up going to church that you just know the story of David and Goliath. And he said, I think the people who didn't grow up going to church know the story of David and Goliath. Um, in case you aren't familiar, uh, I, didn't, I didn't grow up going to church, so I never want to assume that somebody knows the story. Uh, David is a unique example of someone who had some seriously targeted goal setting um, when he decides to fight this guy named Goliath. Uh, his dad, Jesse, I'm just going to do a little bit of background. He had eight sons. And the three oldest went out to a camp where the Philistines, who were their enemies, um, where they were. And the Philistines were on one hill, and the Israelites were on another hill, and there was a valley in the middle. And they kind of had battle lines drawn, and they would kind of meet each other. Philistines had a warrior named Goliath, and they challenged the Israelites to send someone to, to defeat Goliath. Um, and if they were to defeat Goliath, then the Philistines would become their subjects, uh, but the opposite is, is true of that as well. And everyone was terrified because Goliath was massive. The Bible says that he was six cubits in a span. I had to look that up because I'm not familiar with cubits or spans. And um, a cube is about 18 inches, and a span is about 6 inches, so Goliath was about 9 and a half feet tall, um, which is incredibly intimidating. Uh, David was the youngest of his brothers, and he was being sent from the battle lines to home, and he was attending to the sheep and the family uh, stuff there. Uh, his father was older in years, and as he would go back and forth, he would send food to his brothers, and he was sent to bring stuff to commander as well. And um, he went to the battle lines to bring his brothers some stuff, and he hears this giant Goliath <clears throat> saying um, just a bunch of defamatory things about their God and their people. And David's kind of like, what's going on? I'm going to be fighting this guy. Uh, and he's uh, not impressed. Uh, what's happening, and that everybody's just kind of cowering in fear. Um, I'm going to, we're going to read, it's kind of a long scripture, actually, and just you have a change of voice, I'm going to ask Zion if she would come up and read. Is there another volunteer that would be willing to read with Zion? Yeah, Nina, come on up. Um, we're going to read 1 Samuel 17:32-51. Zion. Thank you. 
I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Go, and the Lord be with you, and I will give your flesh Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. So get the picture in your head that Saul the king and David's kind of a young boy. And he's putting, the king is putting his stuff on David. And this is what David said. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, that you would come with me with sticks? And he cursed David by his gods. Come here, and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and a spear to javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his back and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone stone sank into his forehead and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, rapid warning, he cut off his head with the sword. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so in this circumstance, um, it's a pretty unique situation where David came, he had a goal, right? He had a goal of killing Goliath, and he had a plan that formulated very, very quickly and was executed very, very quickly. That's not always the case with us. Sometimes our goals and our plans, they take time, right? We don't just like on the fly come up with something that fast and something that victorious, Um, but it happens. Uh, So the the first thing I like to think about when I'm setting goals or making plans and trying to determine how I'm gonna get from where I am right now to where I wanna be is that I need to think about what does my goal look like? So for David, what did his goal look like? His goal looked like defeating Goliath. It looked very specifically like Goliath being decapitated. 
Um, when we want to achieve goals, we first have to be able to picture what we're aiming for. So can I get a volunteer, another volunteer, if there's somebody willing to come up? For real? Nobody? Come on, guys. You can do it. Ray, yeah. Um, so Ray, I want to ask you, if I asked you to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, what would you do? First take out the bread and the peanut butter and the jelly, blackberry jelly specifically. <laughs> and um, find a knife and make my sandwich. So what if I asked you to make a kuroza sandwich? Say that again. A kuroza sandwich. Kuroza? Kuroza. So what if I showed you a picture? Now, now what would you do? I would say that it looks kind of like a grilled cheese. And I could, I could do that. Okay. <laughs> so what would you do? Um, bread. And I like Swiss and American cheese on mine. And uh, put a little salt free butter and onion on the slices. They take the bread and they um, dip it in like an egg wash and they put flour on it and they uh, fry two pieces of bread with mozzarella in between. So yeah, I mean, Ray pretty much nailed it. Um, it's important to know what something looks like in order to kind of reverse engineer how we're going to make it. When I say peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you all probably picture a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you know what you need in order to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. When I say something you've never heard of, you don't know what to do because you can't picture it. So being able to get that picture in your head is really important when you're setting goals and you know trying to you know determine what your future looks like or how you want to get from here to there. You need to know what there looks like. So that's um, the first thing that I think is very important is know what it looks like. What do your goals look like? And then when you're setting a goal, ask yourself or kind of analyze your goal. Is it a smart goal? So. SMART goals, are any of you familiar with what a SMART goal is? This isn't something I made up, it's not my acronym, it's actually a thing. If you go online and type in SMART goals, it's like this whole, it's a whole thing. You can get printables and it's great. I love it, I think it's a great way to kind of determine if we're on a, a good path. But anybody know what a SMART goal is? All right, so S is specific. A clear description using action words, this is the who, where, what, when. Like when I asked Ray, how would you make peanut butter and jelly sandwich? He was very specific. I would get out the bread. I would get out blackberry, blackberry, blackberry jelly. I would get out a knife. I would get out peanut butter. Very specific. Um, M, is it measurable? How do you track project progress? You need to know if it's something that's a longer term thing. Are you having a timeline? Like if you're making peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you're gonna track your progress by knowing is the jelly on the bread? Is the peanut butter on the bread? Have I put the you know, pieces together? Is it attainable? Is it something that challenges you, but you can achieve it? You don't want to reach for something that you cannot you know, attain. And is it relevant? Is this something that's relevant to your life? Is it something that is worthwhile to you? Is it a goal that means something? And time bound. When will you complete your goal? 
it's important to kind of put a timeline on what we're doing. Otherwise, if you're like me, you might never do it. And then the third thing that I think about when I'm trying to figure out how to get from here to there and setting goals and making plans is does it meet my budget? This, you may have heard the phrase, count the cost. So when we think of budget sometimes, we think, well, probably all the time, you might be getting a picture of your money budget. But we don't just have a money budget, we also have a time budget, we have an emotional budget, we have a spiritual budget, um, and we need to think about the goals that we're setting and if they match the budget that you have. And Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. That happens in life. Sometimes we start something and we don't finish it. Um, how many of us grew up in a home where mom or dad started projects and there's like 53 unfinished projects in the house? And then how many of us have continued that legacy? You know, um, we need to know, does it fit our financial budget? Does it fit our time budget? Does it fit our emotional budget? Um, sometimes things can overtax us on our time. We might have big plans to, you know, um, meet a goal and we just don't have time for it. And we've got to make sure that we're being reasonable with ourselves. And we also need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves emotionally. If you are setting a goal that's going to tax you too much in any given area and isn't allowing time for self-care, then that goal is not going to be successful. And if you do meet that goal, what is the cost? What did it cost you? Many times um, there are people who set goals of advancing um, in their careers. And in the advancement, they lose their families, they lose their children, they lose relationships. That cost is too high. That's not a cost that, that should be part of your goal setting or plans. Um, if you're a family person, if you've got children, if you've got a wife, if you've got friends, if you've got nieces, nephews, these things, these people, they should be more important than anything. <coughs> our first calling is to our family. Our first ministry is to the people that we love. So we've got to count the cost when we're setting goals. Sometimes the cost is good things. Sometimes the cost is bad things, and we need to weigh that. Um, when you say yes to one thing, you say no to something else. So that's something to think about when you're counting the cost. Is if I say yes to running a marathon, what am I saying no to? I might be saying no to sitting on the couch watching TV all day, every day, for several months. I'm going to be saying yes to training and trying to act just to see, you know, that is not one of my goals. I am definitely not trying to train for a marathon. Um, but if that is your goal, you've got to think about what am I saying yes to and what does that mean I'm saying no to? And if I'm saying no to one thing, why? What am I saying yes to? And then also, I think it's very, very important that you share your goal. When you share your goal, it builds accountability and support. You're also inviting people to celebrate your success and also help you through obstacles. It's also important to share those goals with people who've attained them already, or maybe you're a picture of some, somebody that is where you want to be because they can help you when you run up against something that's difficult. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. 
We also have to think about who those advisors are. You don't just want to surround yourself with people who have no knowledge or experience in an area where you're trying to grow. Um, it's okay to have those friends in your life, of course. But when it comes to sharing your goals, you want to make sure that you have wise counsel. You want to make sure you have advisors who know what they're talking about. Um, if you're trying to train for a marathon, I'm not the person that you want to come seek wise counsel with. Um, you can tell me about it and I will absolutely celebrate with you. And if you ever consider a 5K, I might be your person, but definitely not the marathon. Um, but sharing with other people is very important. If you're keeping your goals to yourself and not telling anybody, sometimes that's a lack of uh, trust. You might be fearful that you're gonna fail, and so you don't want other people to know. Uh, but it's okay. It's okay. Those are the, these are the people that you want surrounding you if you do not make all the steps and strides that you want to make. Um, so that leads us into what if I fail? Have you guys ever failed at something you set out to do? Am I the only one on that? Yes. It's just me? Yes. No? Okay. Oh, all right, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Maybe stand there alone in the pit of failure. Um, there's a verse that in Micah 6 8, I, I really, really love this verse. It says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So God, he doesn't just leave us without direction. We're not standing alone on a hill somewhere. Um, he's shown us what is good. We've got scripture that shows us what is good. We have other people who are living for him and in his name, and they show us what is good. And what does the Lord require of us? We've got scripture to also tell us that. We've got others walking in that light that can show us and, and lead the way. Um, he wants us to act justly. He wants us to love mercy. And he wants us to walk humbly with God. When we're setting goals, we need to ask, is my goal matching those things? If I'm setting a goal that doesn't live out walking humbly with God or doing being just or loving mercy, then I'm going to take a wild guess that that goal is not in line with what God wants for you, and that goal will probably fail. Because it is God's desire for us all to succeed, but not by our definition or the world's definition of success. He wants long-lasting success. He wants eternal success. He wants you to get a joy that's everlasting, not temporary. And so we've got to weigh the goals that we set to what God's Word says, and it should be in line. So if you're setting a goal, um, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be some giant spiritual goal. Maybe your goal is, I would like to clean out my car once a week. Um, does that take away from God? Is it something that, you know, is interfering with God and His plan for you? No, it is not. It is, that is a good goal. Having a clean car is acceptable. You know, um, fail is such a sharp, harsh word. And so when we say, what if I fail? Um, it sounds really heavy. But that tends to be the word we use when we don't meet our goals. Is well, I failed. Um, when we fail at a goal, that does not make us a failure. Failing does not make us a failure. I like to build into my expectations some room for failure, personally, because uh, when we, I think sometimes setting goals and making plans, a big part of it is expectation management. Um, as a parent, that's something that we had to talk about with our kids since they were little, is uh, managing expectations. Because sometimes 
you get a picture in your head of something that looks great and grand and wonderful, and then you get a closer look at it, it's not that wonderful, and your expectations aren't met, and it just feels like such a letdown. So we've got a plan for bumpy roads. We've got a plan for hardships. We've got a plan for obstacles. Um, and if they don't happen, great. But if they do happen, you are prepared. Uh, sometimes when I'm working with students who have a lot of um, stress and anxiety in their lives, I'll ask them, why are you so stressed? What's causing the anxiety? Well, you know, I have this big essay I've got to do, and it's got to be done by this time, and I don't know if I'm going to get it done, or, you know, all the things that they're stressing out about. And rather than say, okay, you know what, you're going to do great, it'll be just fine. Because sometimes it's not just fine. Sometimes it doesn't get done. My question is, so what happens if, if everything that you think is the worst thing that can happen, let's, let's picture what that looks like, and let's make a plan for it. So if you don't get that essay written, you don't get this job done that you need to have done, and you fail at that task, what is that going to look like for you? What are the next steps? Because if we don't have a plan in place, it sometimes becomes a huge you know, stress obstacle that you run into. So it's okay to say it's not planning for failure, it's just planning. And um, it's okay to have a plan in place for all the obstacles you may run up against. Of course, you don't want to overanalyze and get, you know, uh, animal, and what do they say? Analysis paralysis? Uh, yes. Uh, so sometimes things change and we might realize that our goals sometimes are not in line with our budget. So we don't just want to scrap our goals entirely. You want to review them, you want to analyze them, you want to think about what might have gone wrong, and then recreate them, because this is an opportunity to grow. Um, I asked Josiah if he'd be willing to uh, share some of his goal, and he's kind of like most people here recovering from a cough, so um, we're going to hang to it, sorry. I have some questions that I asked Josiah, and he's um, willing to share. So the first question that I wanted to ask Josiah was, can you describe one of your earliest memories of setting a goal? One of my earliest memories of setting a goal probably have to be when I was like, honestly, this is how I'm getting your eating age, and I wanted to save up for a DS at the time, so I started putting time aside to work, like my grandparents and other people, to save up for it. Alright, Gideon is uh, seven, Eden is nine, so yeah, uh, yeah, I think you're a great one. The reason I asked this is because he's somebody who's, since he was really young, it's been kind of like, enabling him to have goals and make plans for those goals. He's a planner. Um, do you set big goals or do you set smaller goals? I set both. Um, sometimes I make the smaller goals build up to the bigger goals. So like, let's say I want to, I don't know, like let's say I'm saying, like let's say I want to build up a skill to do something. Like I want to be able to do this. Like then I'll do like, oh, what do I need to be able to do this? I need this skill, I need this knowledge, I need this amount of experience, I need to be with these people. You know, and I'll kind of make it like little steps. And something that really helps with that too is enjoying the process. Because if you're not enjoying the process of reaching your goals, then that goal is just a weight on you. And it's more of a task than a goal. Has there ever been a time when you were not setting goals? Um, yeah, there was, there was a time I was about like 
feel and did you notice a difference between when you weren't studying and when you were studying? Um, I felt like, um, so like, when I was not setting goals, I did not feel like I was necessarily working towards much. It was just, like, my skills and my just, like, I guess my person, I guess, if that makes sense, was not growing at all. Like, it sounds a little hard, but, like, I wasn't, my life was at kind of a standstill. The only thing going on was my age and number. And, yeah, that's really... Or was the goal too 
big, like it's huge, like passive for me to be able to do any amount of time set for it. Um, and one of the big things, like, I want to say, like, if you're setting a goal, like, and you, like, like you're like, oh, I want to go to the gym twice a week for the whole year. If you miss one day, don't just be like, oh, I miss one day, I can't do it anymore. Like, no, look at it and be like, okay, maybe I should do it once a week, or I should maybe, instead of going to the gym specifically, at least go outside and go for a walk around the block. So I'm at least setting the time aside for it. And then, like, just like evaluating, changing, and like all that just are a big deal. And just looking at it and learning from it is every mistake you make, it's just an opportunity to learn from it. Thank you very much. Thank you. So when we're thinking about setting goals, I kind of want to go back and talk a little more about being specific. Um, because when we set a goal, for example, I want to be a better person. What does that mean? You know, a better person than I am, a better person than Mother Teresa was. Like, what does I want to be a better person mean? Better person. Does that mean holding doors open for people when I walk through them? Does that mean letting somebody into the lane that they're trying to get into when I have the ability to do so? Does that mean, you know, spending more time with a friend? So we've got to be specific with the goals that we're setting. Or maybe you're kind of coming out of a hard time in life and things are heavy and dark and difficult for you. So maybe your goal is just to get through a day. And that is a very good goal. So what does that look like? What does getting through my day look like? It means getting up. It means taking a shower. It means brushing my teeth. Maybe calling somebody. Maybe today I'm going to call three people. So be very specific with the goals that you're setting. And I want to be kind. What does kindness look like? Be specific. Who, what, where, when, why. And measure it. Again, give yourself some measurable things. I'm going to call three people today. I'm going to you know, walk this distance today. I'm going to go around the block two times today. Something that you can measure so that you can track your progress because things come up in life that keep us stuck in the here and we can't get to there. Or it might slow us down from getting from here to there. But we don't want to stop. We don't want to be idle. So when we come up against emotional boundaries, um, emotional obstacles, physical obstacles, time obstacles, We've got to reevaluate and say, well, if my goal is forward momentum, if my goal is to get to there, what am I going to do while I'm here? What's the next step? And if you're not sure about those things, you got to get people. Get people around you. If you have people that can surround you, I can guarantee you every single person in this room has somebody that would be willing to help them because every single person in this room is an ally that you have. It's a resource. It's a person who loves you, respects you, and wants to see you succeed. So surround yourself with people who want to see you succeed. Write these things down. Share them with people. Don't let your obstacles freeze you up. If you need a moment, when I kind of, um, when Noah was little, sorry Noah, uh, I didn't talk to him about this for him. He used to cry a lot. He cried all the time. This boy would get so overwhelmed and overstimulated um, by just his surroundings. And one of the things I used to tell him was, okay, I get that you're overwhelmed, I get that you're overstimulated. I'm gonna set a timer for two minutes, go in your room, feel everything you need to feel for two minutes, and then you're gonna come out and you're gonna move on. And the thing about that 
it worked really, really great for him. It was an opportunity for him to kind of get everything out and then have a picture of what was next, you know. Um, but I realized that's something I needed too. Um, especially recently when my mom passed away, we're going on two years now, it feels like it just happened. Um, I have moments where I just feel crushed with the grief of not having my mommy at all. And I need to take a minute and let myself feel feelings, which I'm not great at. Um, I usually just want to kind of move on to the next thing quicker than I should. I need to take some space. We all need to allow ourselves some space to feel things, acknowledge things, process things, um, but we don't want to get stuck in those things. So that's where goals and plans, they really help. And sharing those goals and plans really help. And sharing the struggles you meet on the way really helps. You don't want to be stuck in that place. Um, one of the things that I was talking to Josiah about how he sets goals and the plans he makes that he said that I just really loved and I wanted to share with you guys. He said, not all goals make us a better person, but they might make us a more skilled or well-rounded person. He said, sometimes you want to expand, not just grow. And I love that he said that because not all of our goals are about, you know, going upward. It might be about getting better at a thing or acquiring a new skill. Like he said, he wanted to learn to do a front flip. Did that make him a better person? Not necessarily, but it gave him a new skill. And um, there was a, an opportunity for, you know, just to add something to practicing the, the skill set of um, being regular and um, having goals and, you know, doing these things. So sometimes the goal isn't just to grow, but it's also to expand. So there are no goals that are too small. If there's anything that you're thinking, well, that seems ridiculous to say as a goal, it's not. My goal is to clean my room. So some of you might think that's a silly goal, but if you saw my room, you would know that that's where everything in our house and nobody knows what to do with it. I say, just go put it in your room. We'll deal with it later. So later has not come yet, and my room has a lot of weird stuff that nobody knows what to do with, including me. So I do have a goal to clean my room. Um, I have yet to write down the measurable tracking of what this will look like because uh, I'm still working on getting the picture in my head of what a clean room looks like for me. Um, but it's it's uh, it's a small goal that feels like a mountain to me. Um, and I want to encourage you guys that there is no goal that's too small uh, and there is no goal that's too big. If it's a goal that's in line with God's will and purpose and plan for your life, uh, it is a goal that's worthwhile. And just like David, who I think is a very targeted goal setter, he saw a picture of what he wanted. He formulated a quick plan. When he talked to Saul and Saul put all this like armor and this tunic on him, he quickly was able to say, this actually interferes with my goal. So can't go in with that. And he was able to very quickly achieve the thing that he was set out to do. And I think it's a great example of the way that we can get a picture in our head, target it, make it, and put it into play. Put it into action. Um, I want to pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you for how you've made each one of us unique. You've made each one of us with different skill sets, with different abilities, different likes and dislikes. And God, you use all those things to work together for your good and for your glory. And God, I thank you that we can come together as a church family. We can share our skill sets. We can share our experiences. And we can also encourage and lift each other up to grow and expand in our, all of our goals and our plans. And I just pray that each person here would be able to look at the things that they're doing in life and 
be able to move forward and grow and most importantly, Lord, that that growth would bring them closer to you, God, that we would just step more and more into the person you created us to be. And I thank you for that love and your mercy and your grace. And I pray, God, that all that we do, everything we do, no matter how big, no matter how small, all of our plans, Lord, we commit them to you because we are fully yours. My schedule is not mine. My time is not mine. My budget is not mine, Lord, but it is all yours. And I just pray, God, you would open up your floodgates, that you just pour out your love onto every person in this room, to all their family members, everybody who might be struggling or frustrated or kind of getting snapped up on some of their goals, God, that they could reach out and find a person that can help them, that can help them get past those snacks. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in the name of your son.